0: Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora. From the rafters of the Stanley Marketplace, this is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Bon is a Vietnamese term that's often applied to a wide variety of breads, sweet and savory pastries, and goods. Bon and Butter Bakery Cafe describes themselves as your bread and butter, a necessity to your cravings, your daily routine and your special events whether you're on the go or need a place to slow down to enjoy your pastries with a cup of coffee or tea Bon and butter is your one-stop shop offering a variety of asian french inspired croissants savory and sweet pastries and a selection of sandwiches and desserts coffee milk teas and specialty drinks as well today we're joined by the architect of Bon and butter bakery cafe toa Wen, owner slash founder slash chef at Bond and Butter Bakery Cafe. Congratulations on your grand opening. It's been, what, about a month for you?
1: It's uh, actually, we've only been open for almost three weeks.
0: Has it been the longest three weeks it's of your life? It's been the
1: longest three weeks of my life. I I feel like we've been open for three months just yeah. because the preparation process has been going since end of January yeah. all the way through February, so it's exciting.
0: How has the response been from the community so far?
1: Oh my goodness, it's nothing but support and you know a lot of people kind of get a different vibe of what east colfax is it has his own little rap or whatever but in reality like the people that have came in have been so supportive um the from customers to the neighborhood from you know council members from city of aurora everyone has just been like just so supportive and the people that we meet on a daily basis we have a lot of regulars already at this point and everyone's just been so friendly
0: i, I imagine opening a new business is kind of like being a parent you don't get a lot of sleep at the beginning i imagine <laughs> right
1: oh barely i think i've been I haven't had a day off since beginning of February which is totally fine because I run on adrenaline. Right. <laughs> but
0: it's a labor of love I imagine. It's a
1: labor of love for sure. I mean, it's I'm I'm excited to come in every day just to see my team members, see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're kind of at the point they're like Twa, like when are you going to get a day off because they care <laughs> about me and I'm just right. telling them like when you know when when we get there it's fine. Yeah. I just want to make sure that we're running business pretty well that we're hired up and good in a good place before I start taking time off.
0: On your website, you describe yourself as a pastry chef by day and a culinary chef by night. Food really is at the center of who you are, right?
1: It is. My parents, they opened New Saigon Restaurant in 1980s like kind of late and you know I grew up at the restaurant if the restaurant was more of a home than our own home yeah we spent so much time there and so that was like where all of our childhood memories were and my mom is an incredible chef okay and I learned a lot of that from my mom my grandma but especially my mom
0: what do you think it is about great food that connects people
1: I think I would like to say that food is a universal language. Right. And part of cooking, I love all different cultures of food. I don't just cook Vietnamese food. Um, I'm probably the one in the family that reaches out to a lot of different cuisines from different cultures and really uh, you know, apply all my research and recipe development to just what I've learned and watching a lot of TV. Um, But I I like to say it's a universal language because people gather with really good food. And when you, you know, I I was studying in France for pastry arts, and it didn't matter what language we spoke. It just mattered that we were surrounded by really good food and we laugh about our broken English, our broken French, our broken Spanish, and it still just brings people together. That's why it's the universal language, I'd say.
0: I want to talk about your French experience here in just a little bit. But going back to your mom, you mentioned that there was a simple chicken and rice dish that she made that's your favorite meal. And I imagine it's because it's delicious, but there's also a lot of amazing memories tied to that. Talk a little bit more about how your mom influenced your decision to go into the culinary arts.
1: Well, I'd have to say that food always just had like a very special spot for us. And you know, that chicken and rice dish, it's so simple, but it's comfort food, right? And my mom, I I mean, a lot of us, my parents always just encouraged us to do other things rather than get into the food industry. They didn't want us to be working hard like them. It's a grind. Yeah, it's a grind. And I, I think Eventually I just liked baking at home because no one really baked. We just bought like those easy, like Betty Crocker, like type of, you know, mixes and made like little pound cakes and cupcakes. But uh, cream puffs, right? Um, Cream puffs were something that my parents loved and I wanted to practice how to make cream puffs. And eventually I started kind of baking a lot. And I think my senior year was when I told my counselor and my teacher, I'm like, I know I was going for chiropractic for these past <laughs> three years, but i i don't I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go to Johnson Wales University and I want to learn pastry arts. And my parents were pretty ecstatic about it because it was just something so natural for us to just yeah. still maintain in the food industry. But my counselor was just like, we only have two months left before you graduate. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> I
0: mean, you have to follow your passion though. I mean, yeah. if there's that little voice that's inside of you that says, here's my purpose, here's my passion, and you you owe it to yourself to follow that path, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and you know, with my mom, there's a lot of things that we don't agree with when it comes to parenting, you know, our parents. We just don't listen to our parents. Right. But for my mom, when she has any um, input or feedback or criticism and feedback about any like thing about cooking, I will never question that. No, she's never she's she's
0: (laughs) she's the authority. Um, She's the
1: boss. (laughs) Um,
0: You you mentioned you studied uh, baking and pastry arts. Talk about moving to France. What was that experience like and and what did you learn there?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, growing up in an Asian family, we, we have a lot of it's very strict Family just wants you to mainly work and focus on school. It was very little social and Mm playtime growing up, but that really played a huge role in my work ethic. However- It's a good foundation. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know, and that's why I don't mind working Mm -hmm. really hard. But going to France, that was my opportunity for freedom. And that's where I really learned how to just like spread my wings and fly and i got to travel um i didn't speak much french but when it came to the french language in the kitchen is very it came very natural so
0: you you fit in in that environment very yeah. quickly
1: yeah i and mean yeah.
0: it's one thing to like move to an apartment down the street from your parents and feel free but to move to an entire country immerse yourself in a new culture mm-hmm. and develop a skill that is highly competitive i mean Wow, that's impressive.
1: It was was incredible. And I did my internship in Biarritz, France, which is like the beach country of France. They surfed a lot there. And that's where I mean I was in a kitchen full of just men. Men really rule the kitchen in yeah. France. You have um, a great population of women um, chefs as well, but mm-hmm. majority of the kitchens that you see is just like really men driven. Like yeah, you know, and I I got to really work with all these incredible chefs, and they took me under their wing, and no one ever hesitated to share a recipe, and it was a really great experience.
0: So did, would you say that you had struggles as a woman proving yourself or or being maybe judged or underestimated because you were a woman in that environment or did you find it welcoming and open
1: Very welcoming and open Oh good. Yeah, it was I gosh, if I I almost made a decision and I contemplated that I would just live in France. Yeah. I had to come home.
0: <laughs> Is there maybe down the line after, you know, bon and butter has become the the these, you know, the go-to in the in the world, um, move to France maybe?
1: not. I'll probably keep it as a traveling destination.
0: (laughs) So you you go through your training. You have this wealth of knowledge from growing up and from your family now tied to this French culinary skill. Uh, How do you connect the traditions of Asian baking with the expertise you picked up during your your training?
1: Well, I would say Vietnamese and French just kind of naturally come together because we were colonized by the French um, for quite some time. Okay. And a lot of that French influence did really... It affect, permeated yeah, the culture. it did. Okay. It did. And um, when I went to France, I would tell people that I'm Vietnamese, and they're just like, oh my gosh, you're Vietnamese. Like, they love that. They, yeah. I think there's um, that sense of bond between two cultures. And you know, the bun mi sandwich alone which mm-hmm. people kind of you know think the word bun is bun mi but bun is like what you said at the very beginning it's a variety of pastries mm-hmm. it's anything it's our adjective for to put in front of any type of description to kind of give people a heads up like hey i'm talking about a pastry hey i'm talking about bread but you know the bun mi sandwich has a high influence from the french and you know even like the cream puff a lot of people love the cream puff and they you know in french they call it choux. But in Vietnamese, we call it the shoe creme. You know, okay. we still, Yeah, we still take on the the words of the French language, which has a huge effect on our culture.
0: Talk a little bit about your team. It looks like you're surrounded by a lot of talent.
1: <laughs> I am, I am. And so I have my youngest sister, Ka, who works in front of the house. I have my um, back of the house manager, Rachel, who I've worked with since I was her manager at Whole Foods. Wow! And so she was an incredible cake decorator. And I always tell people I don't like hiring in friends because it's just really hard. Friends and business just don't work. Right,
0: because you sometimes have to give constructive criticism. Sometimes you have to come down on yeah. on people that are working for you. And you don't want to mess up that dynamic, exactly. I imagine.
1: And it, it worked fine with um, a lot of my Team members that I've worked with from Whole Foods just because simply I was their manager before I was ever their friend. Mm-hmm. And so they know how I work. They yeah. know that I will get into game mode and there's no personal, like, you know, offenses in anything. Business is business, personal is personal. But um, my other team members were from the previous business, um, Third Culture Bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them are, which I trained into bakers at this point. And then the rest of my team are interns okay and they're from um, august escoffier school of culinary arts yeah and part of how that connection and that networking happened was because i was a pastry chef Mm -hmm. instructor at august escoffier and um the students that I brought on were previously my students
0: yeah i have to admit i went and creeped on your instagram um, a couple days ago and i noticed that you were instructing and teaching Um, how does it feel to kind of inspire the next generation of culinary talent
1: it's it feels really good i feel like i'm doing a service to people i'm i'm a giver i mean in the asian culture you're very private with your recipes with your techniques everyone is in a competition Mm -hmm. of for me I've never really been secretive about that. I feel like sharing is one of like the biggest services I could do. You know, eventually one day when I pass away, I'm just going to feel like at least I did my part and left an imprint on many, many people. A and legacy. Yeah, and that that legacy for my family, legacy means within the family. For me, legacy is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I like I very much like to be community involved, which really plays a huge role in mentoring my students and hoping that I played a huge role for their success.
0: Which of your offerings are you most proud of? Is there a particular recipe that really excites you?
1: Uh, definitely the crepe cake, um, okay. aside from the sh- like the pa- the, um, pate-a-choux, like the cream puffs, mm-hmm. that's, that's just like a family favorite. But I'm very prideful about the, cre- um, the crepe cake because there, it's a labor love mm-hmm. for sure. But part of it is because it connected every experience that's led to this point. Um, when I was in France, I got a little lost in Paris. That's the best way to experience, <laughs> right? Um, just still do the research but I uh, ran into this bakery I wish I remembered the name I wish I remember the chef it was just like over a decade ago but I went in and I saw a milk crate cake and I was like oh that's a very beautiful cake that you have there and he's like oh I'm making some in the back and I was telling him that I was a pastry student and he just brought me in the back and was just like I'll show you how to do it. And he gave me the recipe and I brought that back here to Denver. And I feel like the milk crepe cake was starting to trend in New York and California already. Um, I definitely started selling it at, you know, the New Saigon Bakery and Deli at my family's uh, bakery. And it just took off really well, which really gave us recognition for um, Food Network. So we had a little pilot episode um showing the crepe cake and our bun mi sandwiches and so it created all these beautiful opportunities
0: when you see a creation like that is it like like if you see a musician they can play by ear mm-hmm. they hear a song and they can play it by ear when you see a creation like that in your mind can you create that before you even get in the kitchen oh yeah you kind of know the texture the consistency all of the components that go into it before you even start—it's like an an orchestra. Almost. Yeah,
1: you just you just kind of know to break apart like the elements. Okay. And I feel like that with any food that I eat, or if there's like a favorite dish that I like, I'll I just naturally start to pick it apart. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, there's got to be a little cinnamon in there. It's got to be a little nutmeg. Yeah. And if it's like you know savory, which is the culinary chef by night. Yeah. I'll see a dish that I really like and I'll break it apart and try to remake it at home and create my own recipe out of it.
0: My uh, team was very grateful to be uh, invited to the soft opening that you had um, and I was really impressed not only with your your food offerings but you have an incredible selection of coffees and, and teas and, and I tried my first milk tea.
1: Oh, nice.
0: um, I know you have a great selection of Vietnamese coffee as well. Uh, what makes those recipes stand out for you?
1: So the Vietnamese coffee stands out the most um, because we have a lot of coffee shops in mm-hmm. that Colfax area. And the Vietnamese coffee is our specialty just because it's a cultural based thing. Right. But, you know, we when it comes to the milk tea and um, we we have a selection of like oolong, jasmine green, we have black tea and green tea. And it's just gives people that variety. And milk tea is just such a huge um I think it started probably in ta- like the ta- in Taiwan mainly. Um, but that's where the Boba Tea trend is coming in. And we kind of have to touch base and try to make everyone happy. Yeah. Uh, and try to have as much variety as we can so that we can fit the needs of everybody to really have that group gathering and have people come to like the space and just really enjoy their favorite drinks and their favorite pastries
0: your core values include you know growing with the community by building trust and relationships with your customers and neighbors what drew you to aurora and talk a little bit about what this community means to you
1: well aurora i feel like colfax was already developing and Mm here to hear that the location that we're in is the next art district right um that it really inspired me because we're all kind of artists of our own trade and it really drew that attention, and when I heard that Third Culture Bakery was closing, I had a friend call me, and she's like, it's a turnkey bakery, right. you've been working, everyone, I, there. it was no secret that I have been trying to start my own business for over five years now. So that five-year plan finally came to fruition with yeah. the space freed up, and it was it was so exciting.
0: Do you feel like the community here kind of appreciates your level of artistry uh, and, and the skill that your team brings to this, this new location?
1: I do. I think it's a community-based thing. I think they um, support... The business alone, the um, culture of that we have created, and also I think people appreciate that we have a space for them to sit and yeah. work and just really uh, be around like really friendly customer service. And you know, my my team have are just amazing people who can't just be mean with anybody, that they have the best customer service. And we like to treat our space as like a place where we are hosting people.
0: Yeah, one of the things that, that hits me about the development on East Colfax, uh, in, near the, the Colfax Canvas area and near um, your location is that it's development, it's growth, but it's still respectful of the neighborhood, it's respectful of the cultures that encompass Aurora, you know, Aurora being the most diverse city uh, in the state of Colorado. They've really done a good job of enhancing the community without gentrification, without these negative aspects that also sometimes come with growth.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree, I feel like it's more of treating everyone as a human being and just being a part of that culture rather than taking away culture. I think you, I think what we're, we're on, what, Colfax and Aurora is heading to, is just like a collaboration of cultures.
0: There are a lot of baking reality shows out there and and just cooking reality shows uh, in general. Do you watch them first? (laughs) I do. Uh, When you see them, do you think I could do that so much better?
1: I do. And I've I've applied to some. And in like the past year, I did apply to a reality cooking show that Uh um, I did get recruited in to be part of like the cast. And so the casting director, we were in touch and I went to Vegas and everything for that. Um, However, you know, you know, an NDA non-disclosure agreement, they just kind of sent a group of us home and I was one of those people. They're lost. Yes. (laughs) What
0: do you see on those shows that really annoy you as a chef? There's gotta be pet peeves that come out of those shows for you.
1: Oh man, I would say just the teamwork aspect of it, I think people have, I think it's a stereotype or a stigma that chefs can be very egocentric. But mm-hmm. I think that if, I think there's ways of being egocentric with certain things that you're amazing with. But yeah. I don't think you should be big headed about it. I think um, teamwork in the end is really useful. And, and that's like my big, biggest pet peeve when people just like are... I'm this, I'm that, and I don't need anybody in the reality world of everything. You need people to right. help you.
0: The manufacture drama and yes. stuff like
1: that.
0: <laughs> uh, where does your love of fishing come from?
1: Well, my um, partner, Colin, he, uh, when I met him three years ago, uh, we knew each other um, through Whole Foods, but when we started um, dating and you know boyfriend, girlfriend at three years, uh, he took me on so many adventures because all I know is work. very like just career oriented and he's just like he's a quality of life person and so he took me fishing and i love fishing i mean i bought i caught my first walleye ever two years ago and it was like the last walleye of the season because i probably did not catch anything more after that okay but then fishing um and we go to different lakes like aurora reservoir we go um up in breckenridge and everything but caught a ton of trout. Okay. And but we always catch and release. I think it's just the the fun of it, really.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh so is that your big catch story, the walleye?
1: <laughs> yes, that's my any? big catch story. All right,
0: you're going to have to develop like a really <laughs> like the one of the ones the old men tell at the, you know, at the bar that you see on every TV <laughs> it show. It was
1: huge and I was just looking at it and I was just I don't know how to take the bait off, like I, mean, I was just like someone do it because the teeth is sharp on mm-hmm. those walleyes.
0: That's that's when it gets complicated. Uh, your bucket list includes visiting all fifty states. How far have you gotten?
1: Oh, not far at all. No? I think I've just been like on the west coast side a lot. Okay. I've been to New Orleans, Florida, but never really got to explore it as much as I wish I would. Yeah. And so one of my biggest bucket lists is to revisit all those places that I. have you know, cause sometimes it was just like stop in places, but I really wanna explore like the main parts of like the cities.
0: Uh, do you have any favorites that you've explored so far?
1: Um. So- no, not yet. Okay. I don't have like a one that really has stood out to me necessarily, but I don't think it's because I'm actually giving it the time that it needs, right. you know, because I don't vacation much because of working in the family business.
0: And you probably won't be for a while. <laughs> You'll be baking I know, that what time. what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you say your favorite dessert is anything chocolate, but I want you to get a little more specific. If you're allowed one final dessert, what are you having? Ooh,
1: I would have a... Uh, Bittersweet chocolate mousse cake, Hmm. yes.
0: Do you, have you had an experience like that you can draw on specifically or is this something you would make yourself because you want to make make sure it's done right? (laughs) You would do it yourself.
1: Yes, I think the amount of mousse versus cake, it kind of depends on the person to have, whether people are more cake people or mousse people.
0: Oh, are you a cake person or are you a mousse person?
1: I'm a mousse person. Really? Yeah. I
0: didn't know there was a debate here. There was a ratio, (laughs) I have to do some uh, research. (laughs) So what is the ideal ratio?
1: Um, in France there's a lot more mousse than okay. cake so you get a very like small layer of cake but then okay. like a nice thick layer of mousse. Um, I noticed that in the US we just have like more like an equal amount of filling to cake ratio. Okay. But I'm more French.
0: You can yeah. change that. Yeah. That could be one of your lasting legacies <laughs> to make sure we're doing that right.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: you're incredibly impressive, uh, Tawin. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm uh, really excited for uh, what you're doing at Bond & Butter Bakery Cafe at uh, 9935 East Colfax Avenue. Here at Visitor we wish you all the best and we're here to help you any way we can.
1: Thank you so much and it's been a pleasure.
0: Uh, feel free to visit them online at bondandbutter.com. You can also check out their Instagram at Cafe. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast, Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,500-plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and convention center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250-plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit, from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in a Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.